Hey, listener, this is producer Anya Profumo. It's been a really long time since you've heard from us here at Should This Exist, but we have something new to share that we've been working on. When I travel for work, I often find myself caught in a blur of meetings and hotel rooms, missing out on the inspiring experiences that are taking place in the city that I'm visiting. I'm sure this is an experience many of us can relate to. Well, I've got a new podcast for you that changes that. It's called Offsite Adventures, and it allows you to turn a simple work trip into an unforgettable adventure. In each episode, we reveal hidden gems in the most iconic business travel destinations. The stories you hear replenish your mind and spirit. Adventure can fit into any schedule, no matter how busy. We'll show you how to go and find it. Just search Offsite Adventures in your favorite podcast player and hit that follow button. The show is presented in alliance with Capital One Business. Excited for you to listen. Stuff of life is inescapable. Depression has doubled in the last 25 years in every region in the world. It affects pretty much everything in your life. The running narrative in your mind, and it is loud. These thoughts are the things that are creating your misery and disappointment and shame and embarrassment. You can have a super deep conversation with your therapist. And that is magic. I think every clinician has this thought. How many patients can you really see in a day, nor a week, or or even a year? What we do just does not scale very well. By removing the other person, we're willing to disclose more and have deeper conversations. Technology can help develop a more intimate relationship with yourself. You're freed to really examine your own thinking without the additional noise of, oh my gosh, how am I coming across right now? What does this other person think of me? Without having to impression manage. It's not a replacement for human connection, but it's one step forward to just stopping the negative spiral so they can just get back on with their lives. That was psychologist Alison Darcy. She invented a mobile app called Wobot, where you can get one-on-one therapy. But here's the thing. Replies don't come from a human. It's driven entirely by AI. I can imagine a world where Wobot makes entire populations happier and healthier. But it could also make us more emotionally distant and isolated from each other, playing into our worst habits of turning to our phones instead of connecting with others. Allison is on the show because she wants to guide Wobot towards a future that benefits all of us. It's the question of our times. How is technology impacting our humanity? Welcome to Should This Exist? From Wait What and Quartz. In this show, we invite an entrepreneur or scientist with a radical new invention to set aside their business plan and explore the human side of their work. What is the technology's greatest potential? And what could possibly go wrong? We'll debate, laugh, forecast the future, and then we'll ask the question, should this exist? exist? I'm Katerina Fake, and I believe that the boldest new technologies can help us flourish as human beings or destroy the very thing that makes us human. It's our choice. A bit about me. I co-founded Flickr and helped build companies like Etsy and Kickstarter from when they first started. 
I'm now a partner at YesVC and your host on Should This Exist. On today's show, we meet Wobot, a mobile app that's like a therapist on your phone. It uses AI to guide you through steps that can change your negative thoughts. And I have to admit, I was skeptical about that at first. The epidemic of anxiety and depression correlates with the increase of technology in our lives. Solving a problem possibly caused by technology with technology seems misguided. AI stands for artificial intelligence, but it also stands for artificial intimacy. That was Esther Perel, the renowned couples therapist with two blockbuster TED Talks, two best-selling books, and a podcast, Where Shall We Begin? She'll join us later in the show to help us future cast with a few other experts. But we'll start with Wobot founder Allison Darcy. As I talked to Allison, I was drawn in by her vision for how and when AI can play a role in our emotional lives. With Wobot, you'll always have a therapist with you right on your phone. Whenever you have those sinking dark feelings, what I call the black cloud, Wobot is there. Morning, noon, or night, whenever it hits you, you'll have somebody to talk to. And a lot of people are talking to Wobot. It fields one to two million messages each week from people in 130 countries. Wobot in his first day of launch had had more conversations with people than a therapist could see in a lifetime. Should this exist? The first question I always ask about any invention is who created it and what problem are they trying to solve? The burden of illness, of um, depression, has doubled in the last 25 years in every region in the world. We're watching this great increase in people's needs for mental health services, and the systems that we have just can't support that need. And I think every clinician has this thought. I mean, how many patients can you really see in a day, you know, or a week, or, or even a year? What we do just does not scale very well. Don't confuse Allison for the kind of technologist who's looking to take humans out of the equation. She learned from an early age the benefit of a human support system. My father went through AA before I was born, probably 50 years ago, and was successful. He was quite active in that community and was a sponsor for lots of people. And as a result, I kind of grew up in a house where my mum and dad were, were helping people in their moment of need, whether it was in the middle of the night or, you know, the, you know people would come over to the house and my mum would be making them dinner. The dinners and late night visitors stuck with Alison. That idea of helping people in the moment that actually 12-step programs have through this idea of a sponsor is quite structurally different to the other way that therapy is, which is you go and see somebody and it's once a week and it's in a specific time and place. Yeah, Wobot is much more of the sort of sponsor model, the some, somebody or something there when you need it, right, in that moment. Before Wobot, Allison was a research psychologist at Stanford, where she blended technology and psychology in new ways. Her most influential therapy helped families of teenagers with anorexia using video chat. And there were a lot of skeptics. 
the field at the time would say, you know, you can't treat anorexia over the internet. That is contraindicated. And the results we had were really promising. We were able to, in lots of cases, help parents re-nourish their child back to a normal weight within, you know, a few weeks. This experience flipped Alison's thinking about digital therapy. The common wisdom is like you should at least meet the family face to face for the first few sessions. But what I found was actually the opposite was true. I was basically showing up as a therapist in their kitchen. You know, they're having the video conference, they're sitting at their kitchen table. And it it occurred to me, you know, something, this is actually more intimate in a certain way. And then it occurred to me that technology can also help develop a more intimate relationship with yourself by virtue of removing the other person, because then you're freed to really examine your own thinking without the additional noise of, oh my gosh, how am I coming across right now? Like, what does this other person think of me without having to impression manage? I do think a lot of people go to their therapists with the sense of what do they think? Oh, of course. Who do they think I am? How do I appear to them? That's a very interesting way of thinking about it, that they no longer have the burden of self-presentation. That's right. And you can see that. You can see that interactions with Wobot are intensely personal. Just none of that noise is, is necessary. Before we go further, let's talk about how Wobot works. After you download the app, you enter a chat room that looks like any texting interface. You're greeted by Wobot, a friendly animated robot that's smiling at you and waving. Wobot begins by texting you ground rules, like the information you share is private, and there will be daily check-ins. Then Wobot digs in. It asks how you're feeling. You respond by texting back one of ten different emojis that include happy, okay, depressed, anxious, tired, among others. I texted back tired, and Wobot responded, got it, you just completed your first check-in. And from there, the Wobot relationship begins. Wobot will then invite you to, to work on that and say, well, is, this, is this something that you want my help with? Or did you just want me to understand? Are you just getting that off your chest? And so if someone accepts that invitation, Wobot will then proceed to say, OK, um, I can challenge your thinking around this. The conversation may go something like a conversation you would have with a bartender or a hairdresser or a friend. But a bartender, hairdresser, or friend who gives particularly good advice. I'll have a whiskey sour. In fact, put a double shot in there. It's been a tough couple of days. I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling so down. I guess I just feel this constant sense of impending failure, like... What if I'm a fraud at any moment? I'm about to be found out, unmasked for the incompetent phony that I am. Is this something that you'd like my help with, or did you just want to let me know? Both are okay. (laughs) What are you, a bartender or a therapist? Take a minute. Tell me what's got you feeling this way. I don't know. Nothing in particular. Truth be told, I feel this way more often than not. Imagine what your negative thoughts would be saying if they had a voice. Can you do that? They'd be saying, hey, hey, you, big dummy, look at you, trying to fool everyone else while I see through you, and soon they will too, and then you'll be exposed. Okay. Uh, Do you think there are any cognitive distortions in this? 
Distortions? Uh, Cognitive distortions are unhelpful tricks that we play on ourselves. They're errors in thinking that feel 100% true to us, and they give rise to feeling bad. Learning to identify them is the first step on the road to feeling better. (sighs) Well, I guess it is kind of over the top. Perhaps, at times, I can be too in my head. Maybe you concentrate too much blame on yourself. This kind of distorted thinking shuts down opportunities to grow and learn. Huh. I like your way of looking at things. How'd you get so good at this? Oh, I spend most of my time listening to all sorts of people. Okay, we took a few small liberties with that conversation. But the bartender's reply were the actual responses we got from Wobot. Wobot is based on a specific approach to therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. It's a highly structured question and answer exchange between a patient and a practitioner. What was different with CBT was that it definitely changed the landscape away from this sort of endless talking to being very problem focused and data driven and also evidence-based. So for the first time, arguably, we had a model of therapy that could be evaluated because it was time-limited. And I think there will be, by the way, a lot of people who argue with me on this. The driving philosophy of CBT is that our thoughts directly affect our feelings, and our thoughts are often negative and often misguided. For example, when we think about how we're bad, wrong, or flawed, we often feel bad, wrong, or flawed. CBT teaches you to tune in to those voices and then then write them down. There's something very impactful in actually externalizing those thoughts and writing them down, or in this case, typing them, telling Wobot. Is there a reason you chose CBT rather than other therapies as the basis for the chatbot? Yeah, there is. It's because actually CBT is so empowering and that actually matches really well with what we're trying to create with Wobot, which is not therapy. It's actually DIY therapy. And that's the really important nuance. I think there's a utopia built into Allison's technology. And in that utopia, mental health care is readily accessible to anyone, anywhere in the world who seeks it out. But I also think there's potential for Allison's technology to lead us to a dystopia, to a place where we become overly dependent on bots to take care of us, and we lose incentive to foster our most important relationships. I asked Allison if Wobot could ever replace human therapists, and what we might lose if it did. You can have a super deep conversation with your therapist, and that is magic. Mm-hmm. You know, that human connection is magic, but that's not what Wobot is or trying to be either. You're never going to be able to have a super deep conversation with Wobot. That is absolutely true. It is just not possible. Mm-hmm. But Wobot can actually get you out of a negative thought spiral when it's 2 a.m. and like the world seems very dark and weird and there's no one else to turn to. You know, you have people who, you know, they're not, they can't even turn to their partner. And like, instead of saying, well, that's just wrong, you should. (laughs) You know, I think we can honor that and say, well, there's actually this little tool that can sort of get people back on track. And should this exist, we're creating a new kind of conversation, a conversation between the entrepreneur and the world. When you're the inventor, it's easy to get stuck in your head and assume that your vision of a future is the only future that will exist. But it's not. Welcome to the Should This Exist workshop. Here, Allison and I will respond to ideas I've gathered from super smart creative experts. 
We asked each of them to throw unexpected things at us, both possibilities and pitfalls that Allison might otherwise miss. Our first expert is Esther Perel. She's a renowned couples therapist and relationship expert based in New York City. She is the author of State of Affairs and Mating in Captivity and the host of the hit podcast, Where Should We Begin? The robot will help you remember to write down your five sentences or to take your medicine, but it will not have a conversation with you about if you had a meaningful life so far. Baratunde Thurston is an Emmy Award-nominated comedian, writer, and cultural critic who helped relaunch The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. As you'll soon hear, Baratunde is always thinking about the unexpected ways technology sneaks into our social lives. We're dating, but then our bots are (laughs) kind of dating, and like we're having conversations, but our bots (laughs) are having conversations. It's a four-way relationship. Kevin Delaney is a veteran journalist who's covered technology for over 20 years. He's the founder and editor-in-chief of Quartz, and he brings to us both his journalistic rigor and his healthy skepticism. The caution here is that we can't outsource our emotional lives and the support of them to machines. Wobot really challenges some of our deeply held ideas about human relationships. So I wanted to start with the personal. Here's what I asked Baratunde. Would you feel excluded if your girlfriend started spending more time with Wobot and not with you? I I think she and I both might feel the opposite, which is, you know, why don't you tell the Wobot about this, babe? (laughs) Like, Like, I don't need to hear everything. In fact, what I'm sure my girlfriend would appreciate is not even like a cognitive behavioral bot, just a bot that I could talk about what I did today with. Because she's like, I don't really need to hear all the details of like the meetings and the shows or the articles you read or like my latest kick, which is like, I just saw this great YouTube video about X. And she's like, I get it. You're really into YouTube now. So if I could have like, if I could offload like 30% of that to a bot, I actually think it would enhance my relationship. Not the answer I was expecting. I asked Allison if she thought Baratunde's plan was sound. I, I think where it plays out really well in relationships is, again, because Wobot's not real, the questions it's asking you about your relationships are not coming from any other place except for, you know, these are just good questions for you to think about and process through. But I don't know. I don't know if my my husband's really into woodwork. He's also really into YouTube. And I have to go through watching some very technical YouTube videos about specific joints and things for woodworking. And like, I want him to watch gardening shows. And so we have this back and forth. But I I don't know if I really want to unload that off to Wobot either. You know, that's that's the stuff of comedy in your relationship. Bertunde was going for comedy. But... That scenario in relationships, it's a real thing. I was super curious to hear what Esther Perel had to say. And it turns out, Allison was too. Esther Perel, who, oh, wow. who you are familiar oh. with, sounds like um, renowned <laughs> oh, couples she's therapist. She's so amazing. And so oh. amazing. Esther has always embraced technology in her work through social media, video chat, and her podcast. But she sees a lot of red flags here. We pushed her to share. AI stands for artificial intelligence, but it also stands for artificial intimacy. 
And this idea that you can create robotics, machines, apps, bots that will talk to you and answer you the way that you would want to be answered to. And that you can suspend the idea that it has actually been programmed. That it is a pretend. That you are free from the iterative and the reiteration of relationships. You know, that the, the fake will be as good as the real. Like Las Vegas, our thoughts and our distortions are often overgeneralizations. But a bot itself is an artifact of overgeneralization too because it goes for the most common denominator. It simplifies, otherwise you can't scale stuff. So all of these things will, on some level, reduce our expectations of relationships. Everything about AI is about systematizing, simplifying, and about preventing risk, minimizing risk and giving you a false sense of control over your life, rather than understanding that your life comes with negative thoughts, and negative emotions, and that often they are actually the right emotions to have for the circumstances you're in. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And I think even Wobot would agree with that. That's one of the things that Wobot will often say. You know, are you sure that these emotions aren't appropriate? Right. But I disagree with the notion that AI necessarily oversimplifies because it's not trying to oversimplify a human relationship. I mean, this argument is based on thinking it's an overgeneralization of an end-to-end human relationship. And that is not true in this case. And I think any AI that does try and position that way is mistaken and is bound to that kind of criticism. I actually think it opens the doors to human intimacy. And maybe this is just because I'm a pragmatist. It's still like the the tennis ball machine shooting tennis balls at you that allows people to practice their swing, right? That has a purpose, but does it necessarily, because it exists, diminish the experience of playing a tennis game with another person? It doesn't at all. It has zero impact, right? They're very different. All it does is allow somebody to swing better. It allows them to practice their skills and possibly even enjoy that tennis game more because of that practice. When you think about the role Wobot could play in our modern lives, there are so many different metaphors you can choose. Is it a therapist? The AA sponsor? The ball machine? One other analogy came to my mind. I was raised Catholic. Mm. And I'm thinking so I. Catholicism famously has confession. Right. And you go, you know, into this booth mm. and you tell your sins. And then you're given instructions of how to get absolved, which is usually five Hail Marys and <laughs> 10 Holy Fathers and etc. And I always thought that this was a very interesting psychological outlet for right. people's pent up emotions to have an anonymous person in a booth that's not part of your life right. and that you're not in an intimate relationship with. Yeah. And that the closest thing in traditional spiritual wisdoms from, you know, long ago, mm. this was obviously a medieval strategy, mm. has some similarities to Wobot. That's interesting. Wobot as the sort of modern confessional. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Is Wobot a modern confessional? Maybe. But here's the thing. Traditional confessionals were rooted inside a very structured community where everyone was deeply connected to everyone else. In our modern lives, it's just not the case. And Esther asks us to consider, 
Will Wobot drive people who are already isolated farther apart? Many social people will use technologies like this, and it will not isolate them further because, because they're using it as part of their life. It's integrated in a broader context. But if you are an isolated person to begin with, why am I going to give you self-help? The whole point of your being isolated is that you need the help from others and you need to be able to reach out to others and I'm going to help you with that. You know, the, the, the overblown notion of self-help is part of an individualistic mentality and part of a society that privatizes problems. They're your problem. I'll help you deal with this on your own. And that is a worldview. What do you do in parts of the world where the word self does not exist? It's not part of the language because there is no self that exists separately from how you are embedded in your relationships to others. It's that. It's the way that often the West has gone in to all kinds of places saying, I know what you need because I have a solution for you. Esther makes a lot of important points there. I'll pick up on just one because I have some reservations about the self-help movement myself. So much of the self-help industry comes from advertising and social media, which creates FOMO and tells us that we're insufficient and inadequate. It markets us mood enhancers, meditation and exercise programs, and endless makeup videos. I was curious what Allison would say about Wobot in relation to this movement. Oh, yeah, I think we're in a total agreement here. I mean, I know I often say that, you know, self-help or robot, you know, if, is not going to be the solution for somebody who would benefit from a human therapist. And where there is a relational component, if somebody is feeling really isolated and even loneliness or, or there's broken relationships or broken attachment, you know, there's a myriad of things that can go wrong with human relationships. And often then the therapeutic component is the therapeutic relationship for sure, which you're not going to get with Wobot. I mean, I, t I totally agree with that. I think where we might not see as eye to eye is, is, is this idea that self-help is very individualistic. I think there's a whole industry around it that's individualistic. I think there's sure. a lot of it. And I do think a lot of self-help, I think, comes from the impress of advertising and social media and everything right. telling us that we're insufficient and right. we're inadequate. You're like, FOMO. I'm, it's I'm just not endless. X enough. Like, yes. there's no way to fix that. There isn't a, a suddenly a bell that goes off and says, oh, <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. You're good enough now. You, you know, it. like, that never actually happens. But it's interesting that this has come up because I do think mm -hmm. that, you know, I've heard it said that self-help is the true religion of America. Oh, boy. I, I, I mean, the, the other way to look at that, though, is that their pursuit of perfection or whatever, right, that, that gets exploited in, in an industry that has become known to be self-help. And I think it's sad that actually self-help has such a bad name. Self-care is also a forgotten art. And I think that can be fundamentally empowering in a way that other things don't offer necessarily. I also think it's very interesting that you called it DIY and not self-help, because I do think 
there's terminology that can promote or inhibit what you're trying to do. Because, I, yeah, I'm just so pragmatic. And I think that's what DIYers do. You know, it's like sometimes you just, you need a wrench uh, to, to fix your leaky, you know, faucet. And then sometimes you need a plumber. And like, it's about knowing the difference. We need to spend more time with this technology to know when we need a robot and when we need a human. In this case, Kevin's money is on Wobot. His reason is one that I hadn't heard before. You want to deploy technology in the places where it's least helpful for humans to be involved. So it turns out that we as human beings are actually not especially good at completing repeated tasks. So the the classic example is that people who work in the medical profession should remember to and know how to wash their hands. This is something that they should (laughs) be doing dozens, hundreds of times a day. And it turns out that they don't. Like, we, our human beings are flawed, and it's not just the people who work in the medical professions. I just was at the doctor this week, and I saw next to the sink this 10-point checklist that explained how to wash your hands. One, run the water. Two, rub your hands. Three, get the, get the soap, and so forth. So to bring this back to Wobot, what's interesting is that I would bet that Wobot, because it's literally following a list, is actually better and more reliable and has better outcomes than the therapists who are bored out of their brains repeating these same questions over and over again. Yeah, there's some there's a phenomenon in intervention research known as therapist drift, that when a therapist learns a particular therapeutic technique, they start implementing it really, really well. And then over time, they implement it less and less well. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, about 50 percent of therapists who believe they are delivering CBT are actually not. Wobot will never do that. There is no therapist no. drift. And Wobot will never be able to deliver fully CBT, right? Because you can't, it's not able to kind of step outside the normal bounds of what we might consider CBT drills and really respond to somebody when, you know, they are having an existential crisis. Wobot may not handle existential crises with the elegance of a psychoanalyst, but I couldn't help but wonder... Would Wobot's constant availability increase the chances of people getting overly attached to it? Kevin forecasts that it could. The caution here is that we can't outsource our emotional lives and the support of them to machines. The research has shown that people people do actually develop emotional connections to machines. You have millions of people particularly in Asia, who rate their interactions with chatbots that are fully automated to be at the same level as some of their friends or family. How do you make sure that things that are really gratifying and exist only virtually don't become the sole focus of our existence. Allison acknowledged that she does see this danger in AI. There's a sort of a creepiness or a danger is where somebody is really mistaking the tech for being real, right? Or that that is replacing what would otherwise be a human connection or or a space that would be otherwise taken up by a human. But she believes that this won't happen with Wobot. It's really hard for me to get my head around the idea that somebody would ever 
be attached or as attached to Wobot as they could be to a family member. Because I think the interactions are so different and so limited. Wobot will actually cut off an interaction. So we, we don't optimize for keeping people in the conversation as long as possible. Although I, I do see that some chatbots do design themselves that way. And I, I think it is, yeah, that does feel a little weird to me. You know, if you're trying to just keep somebody talking. What are you designing for? A long interaction or a good interaction? These are the kinds of decisions every technologist faces. And most try to gamify their systems so people are motivated to stay longer. But when Baratunde forecast where this technology could go deeply, darkly wrong, he didn't worry as much about our potential attachment to Wobot, but rather the fallout from it. He described a dystopia straight out of a horror movie. The worst fears and feelings of people all across the planet by time of day and geolocation and what their commuting pattern was when they were feeling the thing and, and docks the world with like an emotional data dump. That's one of the worst things. Or, more frighteningly, could target individuals, you know, who have certain influence in the world and blackmail them and say, well, we know you are having these feelings of shame or self-doubt or concern leader of this organization, public figure of significant interest, vulnerable member of society with accountability issues. A lot of technology has been designed without these risks in mind. And the trust that you have to feel in a technology like this is super, super important because there's a lot of things that are hurtful to people. I mean, this can have real-world consequences. You can lose your job. You can be denied insurance. You can lose out on opportunities. Here's what Allison had to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is the absolute darkest awfulness, no doubt, from this technology. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just recently wrote a blog post about why we would never sell someone's data for you know commercial reasons. And I have written this from, a, obviously, we're bound as psychologists to an ethical framework, but here's the business argument for why selling data would be a shockingly bad decision. Wobot has to function on trust. I mean, trust is the most important thing. So, you know, we could never risk that kind of breach or that kind of a violation of that trust. But so actually, I, this speaker's bringing up a very good point that you could yeah. probably shut down the business now and just, if you were really mal had malintention and then blackmail people, the only thing is we don't know who anyone is. And the individual data points are not identifiable. That's but really it's important. Still on, is it still using Facebook? Oh, oh, it is. I have to say, since the Cambridge Analytica scandal, uh, Facebook usage has absolutely nosedived. Most people are on using our apps. However, we do keep Facebook Messenger open because the majority of people using it are using it from developing countries. And it, yeah. it aligns with our mission of like access, you know. Um, but it doesn't align with your mission of data privacy. Well, right. I mean, as a company, we don't know who these people are, but the, Facebook does. But Facebook does. But we make sure that every user actually knows that and actively opts in and says, yes, I understand that. There's a distinction between self-help as it's currently marketed to us and Wobot, which is a tool which gives us the ability to help ourselves. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're building a technology like this, 
you have to be super sensitive to potential outcomes and think through every one of them from the perspective of the most vulnerable. As a teenager, I went through a dark time and used CBT myself to get out of it. Wobot would have helped me for sure, but I have mixed feelings about the idea of spending even more time on my phone. Wobot brings up different things for different people and sometimes even different things for the same person. We want to know what you think about Wobot. Tweet at us using the hashtag, should this exist. Should this exist is a Wait What original produced with Quartz. This episode was produced at the studio in SY Partners in New York. Our executive producers are June Cohen and Darren Triff. Our producers are Sarah Singer and Timothy Lou Lee. Our supervising producer is Jay Punjabi. Adam Skews helped with the writing. Natalie Jones helped with this episode's production. Original music and sound design by Ryan and Hayes Holiday. Mixing and mastering by Brian Pugh. Special thanks to Esther Perel, Baratunde Thurston, and Kevin Delaney for their expert perspectives. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to the Quartz Obsession newsletter at qz.com obsession for additional reporting about Wobot. Ooh, 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 ooh.